Hi everyone and welcome back to A Culture Story. Today, my guest is Lubelle, and as I reflect back on this episode with her, I think about how we are always internalizing where we belong. We are born into systems we didn't create. We are born into different privileges. Lubelle and I briefly touch upon passport privilege and nation-state privilege in this episode, comments that reflect back and confirm how we do live in systems. And typically, the engine of a system includes power and economics. But how has COVID-19 changed those powers and economics in different systems? Well, if I'm doing this podcast in a couple of years, let's revisit that. But for now, listen to how Lubelle looks for patterns and relationships which inform her culture, creates her sense of belonging, and shapes her identity. I think Lubelle is interrupting culture in unique ways around her at the interpersonal level, the cultural level, and even the institutional level. I truly believe that Lubelle is creating a system to support the well-being of others. She is participating in the creation of social change, and she is moving us from a place of disconnection to connection as she advocates for holistic health. And I believe she models what Viktor Frankl says in his famous book, Man's Search for Meaning. He says, those who have a why to live can bear with almost any how. Listen in. Welcome to A Culture Story, Lubelle. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Lubelle, to begin, what would you like listeners to know about you? Yeah, actually, when I saw this question, I thought to myself, what am I going to pick that I want listeners to know about me? Because I feel that there are so many aspects to what makes me who I am. And I thought, hey, that's perfect. I should just say that that is what I want people to know about me, that there are just so many layers to me as a person. And what I mean by that is that I feel that I, I do feel that I'm quite a well-rounded person in terms of, you know, I am a Filipino Canadian, born and raised in the UAE. I've lived in multiple countries. Um, I'm about to turn 30 in June and I've already had, um, I'm in the middle of my second career. I've had a first successful career as a nurse and now I'm in clinical research. But apart from thriving academically and professionally, I would say I'm also highly interested in, you know, activity. I teach dance on the side. I work out every day. I'm really into sports as well. But most importantly, what I really want to share is that I'm such an advocate for uh, holistic health, meaning that I really advocate for, you know, taking care of mind, body and spirit as well. I really advocate for deepening our sense of awareness of ourselves and for healing because I know this is going to sound so cliche and super fluffy, duffy or whatever you want to say, but I really do feel that if you want to impact change in the world, that it really needs to start within ourselves. And so I'm such an advocate for healing and for, you know, if you are if you live your life with love and gratitude then your energy feeds off of other people and so on and so forth and that just creates a domino effect so that's actually one of the mantras that i live i really live by is to be a force of love and healing in this world so yeah that's a really big part of who i am as well so i just wanted to to share those little aspects of what makes me lubelle lubelle i couldn't agree more you are a source and 
um, a grounding light, I think. You know, when we jumped on this call for, for this recording, I mentioned to you, oh, it's so great to see you. And I realized, you know what, she doesn't realize how much I see her on social media with all the beautiful mantras that you post and you live by and you embody. Wow. And thank um, you so much. I think you have such a sphere of influence that uh, cannot be counted. You are such a ray of light in this world. So wow, thank you. thank you. Oh my God, I should not cry. We haven't even really gotten started. <laughs> um, Lubel, I'm so happy we, we met through a mutual friend. And when I was holidaying in Toronto, Canada, we met in person. Um, this was like, I think now four or five years ago, it was... I can't even remember. Definitely yeah. more than five years ago, because I think it was... Oh, Maybe not five, but definitely more than at least three, four years ago, because it was before I moved to the Netherlands. Yes. And then when um, the Families and Global Transition Organization moved their first conference overseas, it was to the Netherlands. And the second year that they were there, I had put in a proposal to do an adult TCK plenary uh, panel. And then I, I got accepted and I was like, oh, I really need to get panelists. And so that's when I embarked on figuring out, okay, who can move or not move, but who can go to the Netherlands for this panel. And you were there and it was just so much in alignment. Um, so I, that's one of my favorite events. And uh, one of the favorite presentations was this adult TCK panel that you were on. And thank you for, for sharing your story so authentically uh, with with the families and with the expats and with all the participants who were there at that conference. Yeah, I had a great time. Again, I felt so honored that you had asked me and yeah, it was such a great time meeting all the other panelists that you had also invited and hearing their stories and just being inspired by all the participants as well and being surrounded by by the power of story, really, because I think that's what I took away so much from that conference was the power of story and how that really can create connection, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, I, I love that. And thank you again for inviting me to be, to be part of that panel. It was such a, such a beautiful an, uh, opportunity. It was really my privilege and honor. Um, I really appreciate you. And I'm curious, what story would you like to share with us today? Yeah, so today I really had to think long and hard because there are just so many stories that I could think of, but I really wanted to pick a milestone story that I wanted to share. Uh, so I decided to choose the day that I became Canadian because mm -hmm. that was to this day one of the best and most important days of my life. So you know, growing up, I always grew up with a Filipino passport. And what a lot of people might not know is that, you know, passports like the like the Philippines, I can only speak really for the Philippines, uh, doesn't really give you, unfortunately, a lot of opportunity. So for example, you need to apply for visas, you so you need to apply way you need to plan way in advance if you want to, you know, travel, because with a Filipino passport, you cannot just cross borders that easily. So I grew up with that, um, those experiences, and I had always known that my parents eventually wanted to migrate to Canada for the number one purpose that they wanted to create, quote unquote, a more secure future for their children, meaning obviously me and my siblings. 
So uh, that was really tough because my parents did have really good lives in the UAE. They were both expats um, and making, you know, in fairness, they were making good tax-free money in the UAE, but they did have to give that up in order to move to Canada. But even while being in Canada, the process of becoming Canadian also took a long time. I'm not sure if there are any listeners on here who are familiar with the process of becoming immigrants and then eventually applying for citizenship because that is also not an easy process. And it also um, requires financial resources as well. So it, it could be quite a difficult process. So that took us about six years, even when we did come to Canada. So in 2014, um, in October, I finally, my family and I finally became Canadian. And I'm sharing that story because it was one of the biggest milestone in my, in my life. And right now I, I do have two passports. I do have the Filipino and Canadian passport. And since that day, I would say that is when I was really able to hone my identity of being Filipino Canadian. So that was also really important. Because prior to that, I didn't really know what I was, what, what I was, if, if that makes sense. But uh, yeah, since then, since I had both passports, that really gave me a tangible way of saying, yes, I am Filipino, I am Canadian. And uh, that's why I want to share that, because it was such a huge milestone in mine and my family's life. Mm-hmm. How old were you? When that happened? Um, 2014, I was 24. Yeah, 24. Mm-hmm. Was I? I honestly cannot do math right now. But yeah, <laughs> so around, around that, yeah, around that time, 24. Early 20s. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Early and, 20s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm curious about, was there any requirement for you um, for this process? Did you have to learn the anthem or... <laughs> Yeah, indeed. Yeah, the anthem comes at the end after you pass the test. Um, but the requirement, um, I mean, obviously, there is a number of days that you need to fulfill um, to be in the country. So that is the uh, that is the requirement. Um, once you have your permanent residency. So that's sort of like the green card, I think, in the mm-hmm. States where you have your green card. And then I think after that, I'm not really sure how it works then you can apply for being a citizen. So in Canada, you become a permanent resident resident first, after which a certain number of days of being fulfilled, you can become, you can apply for citizenship. Once you get approval that you can apply, uh, you have to write the exam. So it's an exam on the history of Canada um, and whatnot. And then once you pass that exam, uh, you uh, register for the oath taking ceremony, and then at the oath taking ceremony, you can sing the anthem or or not if you want to. <laughs> mm-hmm. I definitely okay. did. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Thanks for explaining that process a little bit more. I wasn't, mm-hmm. I wasn't familiar. Yeah. I love how you're speaking into this idea of privilege and how yeah there there comes p- privilege with certain passports and yeah. I'm curious about maybe loyalty and like, how do you identify now? And what does that look like for, for nation state or country loyalty for you? Yeah, I think that I will always, I will always want to be Canadian. It's interesting that you asked this because I had also been thinking about lately, I've been thinking about what it would mean for me to become Dutch one day, because now that I live in the Netherlands, um, I do actually plan on settling here, which are words I never thought I would say, but um, <laughs> I finally come to a point in my life 
uh, where I could, I, I am saying that, yeah, I think I'm going to settle here. And, you know, mm -hmm. I, I was in Canada for 10 years and I think eventually if all goes according to how I envision my future, mm -hmm. I'll probably be in the, in the Netherlands, you know, longer than 10 years, if not, yeah, hopefully for the rest of my life. So I have been toying with the idea of becoming Dutch, but then I thought to myself, wow, when I first moved to the Netherlands, I always thought no matter how long I stay in the Netherlands, I'll always just be an expat. I'm never going to give up my Canadian passport. But it's come to a point where at what that I've started thinking about, will I actually do that? I never thought I would think about that. I think Canada will always be dear and true to my heart. It will always be a place where I really grew as a person. My family's still there. Mm -hmm. um, but now my idea of this tangible, um, this tangible thing is slowly starting to like the value I assign to it is slowly fading away because I know that with a Dutch passport, it would be the same opportunity because the Dutch passport is just as strong, if not strong, a little bit stronger than the Canadian passport. So mm. it's interesting how that changes because as I had mentioned, I was so tied to this tangible item that this Canadian passport gave me access to the world, but now it's changing a little bit. So we'll see how that plays out. So to answer your question, really and truly, I, I don't know yet. So I will let you know when I figure that out. <laughs> right, and, and Lubelle, we were also talking before I, I hit record about how even with the COVID travel ban or travel restrictions, even that has kind of maybe leveled the playing field in a way of maybe, maybe that's not the right word, but it, it's also showing that access and freedom and mobility that we we did have is all of a sudden out of our power and out of our reach mm -hmm. and so mm -hmm. um, it's interesting even how a passport can be restricted in ways that we we had no idea was were possible was possible wow that's actually such a good point i mean of course i had i, I yeah we're all living it but i hadn't actually thought about that in those words specifically so that is yeah that is 100 percent accurate wow yeah definitely okay. let's not dwell on that because it makes me sad yeah, <laughs> yeah that's very true it does you know um or for someone also like you know we, we both grew up with global mobility as part of our childhood and mm -hmm. uh even into adulthood that's something that's been almost like a medicine for me of knowing like oh I can do that I can satiate this need for for seeing something different and experiencing a different culture than where I'm living right now and so mm -hmm. yeah there was a you know a moment of like oh what what do I do when I don't have that kind of freedom to do that but yeah definitely it certainly has kind of grounded me in um, looking more at my local culture and my local community and figuring out, wow, it is so much more diverse and rich than I had really given it grace or opportunity to show me. So I don't know about that, but like, what about in your story right now? Could you um, share a little bit about what you're learning? Yeah, I, this actually totally ties into what I'm just about to say about, you know, kind of discovering what's in your backyard sort of thing. And what I love about where I'm at in my story is that I've always, known and lived that with this idea that identity is like always fluid it's always changing um and when i came to the netherlands you know i, I didn't really expose myself to uh very many um dutch people only because i went to an international school and i just 
you know, I had a lot of international friends and, you know, you're in school. So you kind of, you know, group into that international group. But, you know, of course, school is over now. It's been over for two years. And now I have a Dutch boyfriend. And um, I feel that I'm very much assimilating into, you know, Dutch culture. I'm learning the language right now. You know, I do spend a lot of time with his family. Um, I, you know, really enjoy eating like Dutch food. And uh, I'm really understanding like Dutch, the Dutch culture right now. And it's really becoming a part of who I am. And it's crazy to think about that because it just goes to show that identity really is so fluid. Like, you know, I grew up in the UAE, which is very much like an Arabic Middle Eastern culture. And that was my life for 17 years. Mm -hmm. Whereas now I've been in the Netherlands for a little over three years, but I definitely feel like more connected to Dutch culture, of course, than to, let's say, Arab culture but then again I mean in fairness I was in the UAE during my childhood so it's a lot different to experience it as an adult but it's just crazy that now like my identity again is once you know evolving and changing and that's what I love right now is that I'm in the middle and I'm experiencing what I always thought to be true so Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, I love that. I love that you're open, you're flexible, you're adaptable, you're open-minded, you have a growth mindset, Um, all the qualities that, why so many people adore you. (laughs) (laughs) And, and how did that turkey turn out when you, when you celebrated Canadian Thanksgiving? Oh, yes. Actually, it turned out amazing. I was really proud of ourselves. It was the first time, I mean, I've cooked turkey before, but always with a big group of people, always with people who like knew exactly what they were doing. And my boyfriend, like in the Netherlands, they don't really uh, eat turkey for um, special occasions. Um, It's not that common, I would say. So my boyfriend, Robert, he had never really cooked a turkey before. So it was both technically our first time. Uh, we were both quite nervous, but it actually turned out really, really, really well. And so we're hoping to make it an annual thing now. And uh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Is there something with the upcoming holidays in December? um, Anything that you're looking forward in terms of cultural food or tradition that either you're adopting or you're sharing as part of what was kind of a ritual or tradition in your cultural background? Yeah, actually, um, in the Netherlands, they do this Christmas tradition called gourmet, where it's essentially like a a grill um, in the middle of the table, and you buy a bunch of, you know, um, items like different kinds of meats, different kinds of veggies, um, and then you'll have different sauces. Of course, you'll have bread which is very much a Dutch staple. (laughs) And um, you all sit around the table and you just grill your food as, you know, as you want it. And it, you know, dinner can take up to a couple hours and it's very much a Christmas thing. Mm -hmm. Um, It is a tradition in my boyfriend's family. So they also do it every year. Uh, And we did it last year um, with my friends. Uh, We had bought our own gourmet set and then we invited our friends over. It was my first time doing it and I absolutely loved it. So it's something I'm really looking forward to this year to doing with with Robert's family. Yeah, so that's something I'm really excited for. Yeah, absolutely. I'm gonna buy a plane ticket. (laughs) Yeah. Sounds amazing. (laughs) 
Um, you know, it's so interesting in, in these episodes, I feel like food always comes up. And so uh, I, that's just such a core part of culture. And so, Oh, yeah. for sure. I think I, I, I read this, I either I read it or I made it up myself. I don't know, but I remember thinking, um, you know, you're a third culture kid when different foods from around the world remind you of home. And it's mm. so true because I could eat like a shawarma and that reminds me of living in the Middle East. I could also eat like Indian, like biryani, for example, or um, shish tauk, or like I could just name all these foods, but also Filipino food, for example. And that will so remind me of like either the Middle East or the Philippines, or if I'll have poutine. Granted, I haven't had poutine outside of Canada, but if I were to ever have poutine outside of Canada, then that would definitely remind me of Canada. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's just, it's, it's so true. Like when you taste different food and it reminds you of home, it's, yeah, that's when you know you're a third culture kid. <laughs> I love it. I totally agree. And by the way, across the border here in Michigan, we do have poutine. So you can oh, come visit really? me. Oh, really? Okay, <laughs> good. <laughs> I have not found poutine here in the Netherlands, so maybe I'll have to go to the States for that. <laughs> Love it. Oh my goodness. LaBelle, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for sharing your stories, your wisdom. Thank and your you for having me. Yeah. I, I do end my podcast with rapid fire questioning, although <laughs> the answers aren't necessarily rapid fire. Sometimes we <laughs> dive deep. So if you want follow up to uh, these prompts, um, go ahead and do it. Culture is? I would say culture is connection. Hmm. One thing everyone should pack in their suitcase is? So this one, I had a hard time. <laughs> I was like, I don't really know what to say, but I'm, I, because this is going to be true to who I am and what I really think everybody needs to pack is a selfie stick. I actually genuinely believe that, honestly, because I had, a, I had, okay, side story. Yes. I went on a trip with a friend and I took out my selfie stick for the first time and she totally gave me this cut eye look like why are you taking out your selfie stick this is so embarrassing put that selfie stick away but I'm like no way I love my selfie stick this selfie stick takes great selfies great pictures sure enough we use a selfie stick for like this great selfie with like um the Eiffel Tower in the back and we got like such a good like panoramic shot with us and the Eiffel Tower it actually looked like a postcard after which she saw the picture and she was like, oh my goodness, wow, you can actually take great pictures with that selfie. And I was like, thank you very much. <laughs> so yes, all of you people can judge the people with the selfie sticks, but I promise you when you have a selfie stick and you can take great pictures, you will understand why. I love so it. I will stick to, stick, to, stick to my guns about that. Yeah, for sure. Yes. One of my favorite movies or books is... Um, favorite movie, I would say, is A Walk to Remember. I just love that movie. Um, and favorite books is uh, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Yes. Yeah. This is why we're yeah. good friends. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. And um, the next prompt, home, is? Where you make it to be. And story is? Uh, story is ever changing. Lubel, your love and light. And I am so, so grateful that our paths crossed in this lifetime. Yes, me too. Thank you so, so, so much. In listening back to this episode, I think I would call it gratitude is not only an attitude, 
it's a practice. And a moral of the story is that meaning is internally built. Own what energy you absorb. Own what energy you put out. What and who are you grateful for? Each one of us has a sphere of influence wherever we are in the system. What can you own in it? Decide to be and feel empowered because you are. And to close out this episode, I want to quote Viktor Frankl again. He says, When we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. Everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of the human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. Between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. And our greatest freedom is the freedom to choose our attitude. Thank you for listening to A Culture Story today. Thank you.